Sasha, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, mate. Who are you suing this week? <laughs> <laughs> My name is Nick Nagarko and you are locked into Culture TV. For the culture, by the culture. Let's go. So I've become quite bothered, you may have noticed, yeah. over the last 14 months with some silly decisions the governments have made. Yeah. You know, the, the 10 p.m. curfew, yeah. nonsense. You know, mm. we, as an organ, as an event organiser, mm. part life, yeah. I, I, every single year I'm asked, how do you push 80,000 people out at once? And you can't, you have to stagger it, yeah. stagger and egress, you create yeah. that. Well, it just, so, it's common sense, isn't it? That if you put, it If you put thousands of people out from pubs, restaurants, bars, whatever, at, at the same 10 p.m., there's going to be a huge crowd of people available, able there to spread whatever around. Exactly. So they did more harm than good. So what data did they base that on? Nothing. It was a policy decision. There was no scientific evidence whatsoever. And this has been my gripe the whole time. You know, right. if you're going to make a decision, yeah. show us the hard evidence. And if you can, then fine. But so, don't make a decision that's going to affect jobs and businesses without exactly. any evidence. So what, 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 what I didn't understand that about that, and I'm sure you will have researched into this a hell of a lot more than I have, um, so, a decision to close everything at 10 p.m. was made. Yeah. What processes or steps of any form of common sense and who was responsible for making those decisions to come to that conclusion that to kick everybody out of? It was, it was someone in the cabinet. It right. was that high up. And they'd seen another country do it. Right. thought, well, if it's good enough, then we'll do it in England. That was it. Literally. Literally, that was it. If it's good enough for John, we'll do it over Yeah, here. exactly. Wow. So it was stupid. We, we pushed hard. They dropped it. First judicial review um, against the Scotch egg wall, the substantial meal. Yeah. Compelled them to drop that. Yeah. And, and did they admit that there's no evidence for this? Or did they had they just... to in the end. Yeah, they had to supply evidence. That's a good thing about judicial <laughs> review. It's like, come on, what have you got then? Show yeah. us. And then when you see it, like, well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been busy. So what's the next step? Well, the next step for for me personally, or for nighttime economy, for nighttime economy, it's just you know there are so many businesses that have sadly been lost. Yeah. So many jobs that have been lost. Yeah. I think the good news is you know for once we yeah. can say that we've got something that's world leading. Yeah. It wasn't the app. Yeah. You know, so the vaccine rollout. <laughs> Definitely wasn't the app. It wasn't. So the, the, the vaccine rollout is phenomenal. Yeah. Now hats off the NHS, the science yeah. volunteer. Amazing. So I feel now like that's can... the one thing that out of this whole chaos um, and terrible way they've dealt with the pandemic, it's the one thing that they've kind of got right. But I also feel like, I don't know if you would agree with me on this, but I feel like they've made so many horrific mistakes, one after the other, after the other. It was like common sense. Someone with common sense came into the government in like January and said, right, close everything until we've got people vaccinated and we'll be the first ones out of this. Uh, absolutely. No, I agree. And you know, there will be a moment. Mm. And it's not now because now is all about recovery, getting yeah. back, getting back to normal. Yeah. I think we've got to do it quickly because... I think we're going to be a hit with a mental health pandemic. Yeah. You know, I'm speaking to friends who are breaking down in front of me, freelancers, mm -hmm. people like that who create yeah. the festivals. Um, and they're in a bad way. People lost their homes, their mm -hmm. relationships, their livelihoods. So we need to get over that. Yeah. And then there's going to be a moment to sit back and actually scrutinize what they did, what yeah. they did wrong. Yeah. And you know, there is a domino effect. It really is. And do you think that moment will come to actually really scrutinize and 
the government for how they've dealt with this? And will it will is there is there an ability for there to be any consequences for this? Well, there is the next time's an election, but yeah, I'm not. You know, once we're through this, mm. uh, myself, other people from the industry, yeah, we're, we're coming together. We're not going to let them get away with what they've done for yeah. hospitality. Yeah, and then you've got you know people like Andy yeah. Burnham who are holding government to account, yeah. not just for Greater Manchester, but yeah. for the whole of the UK. We've yeah, seen yeah. how he stands up um, and fights against them when they're wrong, yeah. and quite rightly when they do something right, he, yeah. he agrees with them, but. Yeah, there's going to be a moment, definitely. You've become the voice, almost. I know you, you the, I know you, the advisor for the nighttime economy to to Andy Burnham. I know you've, you've been doing that for a few years, mm. but I feel like over the past twelve months, you've sort of become the voice for like the nighttime economy for the UK. Would you say that like was that an intentional decision on your part to try and do that, or do you think you've just sort of fell into that no i just it wasn't intentional yeah um when we went into lockdown one we started united we stream yeah and over a 10 week period yeah. i don't know if you remember what we did there but yeah it was, it was big like it was big it was that big wasn't the first you know one. we had 20 million viewers over 10 weeks we wow. raised six hundred thousand pounds and um i was looking forward to giving that money out to people yeah you know the moment when the, the grants applications would yeah. come in it wasn't it wasn't me handing it out there was yeah. a, a committee people yeah but reading some of the stuff was coming in was really pulling on my heartstrings and yeah. i wish i hadn't seen that and you know i i don't have a pub i don't have a bar I what don't sort of a, stuff were you seeing coming in just as i mentioned the freelancers yeah uh, who've had no support whatsoever from yeah. the government um you know they've gone from earning a decent wage one week to literally nothing. Yeah. Um, and it was it was heart-wrenching, the stuff I was reading. Yeah. So, you know, I, I made a decision at that point that when we come out of this, and we are coming out of it, could I look at myself in the mirror and say, you know, I, I fought for these people. Mm. You know, I had a, a platform to start with. I want to use that platform to actually fight for what's right, mm -hmm. what's right for, for the sector, for the industry. Um, and I feel once we're out of this, I'll be able to look at myself in the mirror and say, I, I did everything I can. Yeah. You know, every day feels like a, an uphill battle. And I know I come across moany <laughs> and, you know, and annoying, but I'm not bothered if I yeah. annoy people. It, do, it does not bother me in the slightest. You know, I can. I, I don't I, know if it comes across annoying. I think it comes across like you actually give a shit. Yeah, well, there, yeah, there is. I'm glad we can swear on this. Yeah. But oh, I, do, I really do yeah, give yeah, a yeah. shit, <laughs> you know. Um, and there are people that troll me along the way and it doesn't bother me in the slightest. Yeah. I've got broad shoulders. Yeah. Um, and I will just carry on fighting for what I think is right. What do you think? Will we get back to normal? I think we will. And I think very, very quickly as well. Yeah, um, yeah I think the, the customer... Well, we've, we've seen, haven't we? When you could go to the beer gardens, yeah. we've seen how busy they were. Yeah, they feel normal. After three or four pints, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but when you first walk yeah, in, it's no, very it's, clinical. Yeah, it's a bit static, isn't it? It in, is. In that first it instance is. of getting in. But then you get used to it. Yeah. Um, and you can almost sense the caution in the air, can't you? There is caution. And, I, you know... We have to act at the moment with measures in place because yeah. the worst thing that could happen is we're going to another lockdown. Yeah. Um, but I don't want that to be the normal. No. You know, when we're being told 21st of June, there will be no measures in place and it's back to normal. That's what I want. And that's what I'm expecting. Do you I'm think expecting. that will happen? 
I'm, I'm really hoping so. The data is telling us absolutely. Yeah. And I'm going back to this hard evidence again. Is this the, down to the, the vaccine? It is down to the vaccine, yeah. It's, I think it's down to the vaccine, you know, the top nine categories have been vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, the most vulnerable have been vaccinated. Yeah. There is herd immunity thrown into it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, and I think it's important because we're seeing the stories now of people who are missing cancer treatment because, mm. you know, they didn't want to go to hospital in case they caught COVID. Yeah. So we have to very quickly get back to normal. And, it, you know, when you look at park life that I can speak personally about, yeah. the fact that we sold 80,000 tickets in yeah. 78 minutes, I think shows the appetite to get back to normal. So people who've, who've bought tickets to come to park life, are they going to get that same park life experience that they always had before. Absolutely. It's going to be no social distancing. Yeah. There's going to be- No masks. No, well, no masks, yeah. no social distancing. It's going to be absolutely just just normal. Amazing. And yeah, you know, the next day people will complain to me. Yeah. They'll be trolled for queues. Oh, you'll be trolled for everything. Portaloos, yeah. uh, <laughs> price of beer. Yeah. You know? But you want that. That's the trolling you want. Bring you back to normal. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you know, like you, you know, why why can you say this, but you charge ten pounds for a res? I don't charge ten pounds of res, but I never have done. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's amazing. And in seventy eight minutes, you sold out. Seventy eight minutes. We thought it was a mistake, so we knew that you thought it was a glitch in the system. We thought there's no way Ticketmaster have sold eighty thousand tickets in seventy eight minutes, wow. and they had done. And that's not just part life. Yeah, Creamfields, Leeds, Reading, they all sold out in super record time. And do you think those festivals will follow suit like part life and be exact? Like, like they yeah, were. They're, they're before us as well. They're August Bank Holiday. Wow. Which number park life is this? How many have you done now? So we started Platfields 2010. So 2010 Platfields? Yeah, 2010. I remember that. Wow. Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. One day, 20,000 people. And the night before we had Ian Brown. Wow. Is that 2010? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I didn't have any grey hair then. <laughs> I've got the odd one or two now. <laughs> How did you get into promoting? So it's a, a long story. So I went to a, a good school yeah. uh, by Platfields, actually. I went yeah. to Manchester Grammar. But yeah. when I was in the sixth form, it was the explosion of what we know as the Manchester period. Yeah. Uh, Factory Records, Stone Roses, Happy Mondays, yeah. New Order, Hacienda Nightclub. Right. And well, I so you were around back then? Yeah. Were you? Yeah, well, yeah, okay. yeah. So <laughs> first, I went to uh, Hacienda in 1989. Right, okay. First time. And in fact, the first time all the cool kids at school were talking about this this venue, Hacienda, mm -hmm. and I thought, well, I need to get in there. So I turned up, I borrowed my dad's suit and shirt yeah. and tie, <laughs> got to the door and the doorman, who were tasty, yeah. said, nah, that's not happening. Yeah. And I looked at everyone in the queue, so the following week I got in yeah. with uh, just jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah. And um, I remember walking into there and I was with my best friend at the time, a guy called Peter Armstead. And I think the capacity was 16, 1700. Yeah. And it was the time of um, acid house music. Yeah. And we both looked at each other and was like, these people are mental. They yeah. were doing this dance, right, throwing their arms in the air. And yeah. like, There's no way we're doing that. <laughs> and uh, half an hour into it, we were doing it on the dance floor, that dance. And the, the, the atmosphere just took us away. Yeah. It was electric. I've never experienced anything like that before. It was, it was six months later we found out we we're probably the only ones that hadn't taken ecstasy. <laughs> so, but the energy that was in that room. Yeah. And don't forget, that was the first. I'd been going to clubs where the DJ would play a few records, then introduce the next record. Yeah. And then introduce, you know, I found 
a lost wallet on the floor. Yeah. Is, is Eric in the house? You know, that sort of thing. Oh, really? Is that, yeah, what, is so that what they were like? That's what they were like. And this was the first time the DJ didn't speak. Right. And the music just went straight the way. The mixing, I'd never yeah. seen or heard it before. And that just caught me. Um, and, you know, I left school. I didn't have any qualifications. Didn't go to university. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, my parents weren't too impressed. And I was yeah. working in a clothes shop in Altrincham that yeah. was the original flannels. Yeah. Um, and I was earning 20 quid a day and these people were coming in and spending yeah. 80, 100 pounds yeah. on jeans. And I was thinking, how can you yeah. spend four or five times what I earn in a, a day. day on a pair of jeans? Yeah. So I thought maybe the shop working in a clothes shop is not for me. <laughs> um, and you know, I thought, you know, I'm going to put a party on. Yeah. And I actually did, I went in deep. Yeah. And it was the 4th of July, 94. It was at the Hacienda. That was your first that was show? My first show, yeah. At the Hacienda? At the Hacienda. Wow. First event. Acid House or would it, would it be no, Jungle? No, it, house, it was House Music. House Music, yeah. But I did go to a Jungle Night yeah. at uh, Hacienda. Scared the shit out of me. It was, it was mad, the Jungle Nights back then. Well, I was too young for them, but I remember having the tapes from like telepathy. I've heard of, I had a... I had a couple of trigger tapes from from the Hacienda actually when I was a kid, but yeah, the jungle nights back then were. Crazy. Well, I'd I'd gone out one night with uh, Angela Matthews, who's the manageress at the Hacienda, and her yeah. husband Billy at the time. They're not together anymore, and um, <laughs> they said we'd gone for a few drinks, and it's yeah. like, oh, where can we go now? Yeah. In those places, venues, your bars used to close at eleven, or go to the Hacienda. Yeah, I think it was a Monday night, and uh, I never asked what sort of night it was. Yeah, walked in there. And they had these canisters with the light bulb. It's like shit. What's going on here? And it was it was unbelievable. What was the rules back then? Like as far as clubbing, was it like two p.m. curfew? Was it two p.m.? Yeah, like, it was two a.m. Sorry, so, say sorry, two a.m. I don't understand how. Well, the hacienda didn't, but I don't know how clubs actually made money. Right when he shot at two. Um, you know, if we were closing warehouse budget down at two, or it, it's not financially viable. Yeah. Um, but then I suppose bars were closing at 11, so people would go to clubs earlier. So the Hacienda didn't, I, I mean, I've seen that on 24 hour party people, but why didn't it make money? Because they were just spending too much on the DJs and. No, it wasn't on the DJs. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've never looked at their PLs. Yeah. I'm not very good at, at PLs, but hats off to them. It wasn't, I don't think it was intended as a business to generate a lot of income. Yeah. It was to do something special, something yeah. different. Yeah. And they did that. Tony Wilson's approach was completely different, wasn't it? Yeah. I've got on my office at home a roll of sellotape. Yeah. That I'll bring next time I'm in, I'll bring yeah. it in, actually. And when the Hacienda was about to go bankrupt, yeah. he went out and got yellow-branded sellotape. Right. Now, you know, when you go about to go bankrupt, you look at every single penny you sell, you yeah. know, you're spending to try and pay bills. Yeah. No, it's like, let's go and get some branded sellotape. And that sits on my desk and that sort of, for me, mm. sums up the Hacienda. Yeah. Amazing. It's, it's like the, his ethos was so, not the conventional business approach that you would expect someone, well, you know, you've been in the promoting game a long time. You, you know what it, you know what it is. And, it's. I find it fascinating how successful he actually became. Considered, like he's writing his record deals in his blood, and yeah, yeah, it's just a crazy approach to the to the music business, which is you know, it's it's a tough game at the best of times. It is, but isn't it nice how everyone still talks about him or respects him? Yeah, and I never. The, the last time I saw him, actually, he used to have this this dog. 
Um, and I, I don't think it was me personally because a few other people told me this. Yeah. Dog would bite anyone. Right. And it was, um, is it called a Vyarama? It was like a purpley looking dog. Oh, right. Dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. Quite a vicious thing. <laughs> and um, he brought it into Store Street where Warehouse was. Yeah. 2007, Easter 2007. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at him and it was, it was quite sad to see how frail he was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he looked. He loved Store Street. He thought it was fantastic. But he bought that bloody dog again and he bit me <laughs> every time. Um, What's the plans with Warehouse? So we're going to announce it in a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, it's at Mayfield again this year. Um, Sam's in the office now, busy away, booking yeah. it. Uh, I mean, at, you know, Sam Ridge, I don't know how they do it. Mm. The lineups, I've, or clearly I've seen the lineups. And yeah. I don't think this, this year will ever be beaten. Really? Yeah. I can wow. say that confidently. Can you give us any idea who we can expect on the lineup? No. No. No whatsoever. <laughs> You've got to try them, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> no, people that, you know, this, you'll be able to tell me yeah. which, which DJ is going to yeah, be there. Well, yeah. And, you know, yeah. but, but there's, there's, you know, we've got all the usual suspects. Yeah. But the way they've done it this year, it's, it's, there's some, some special curveballs in there. Okay. Amazing. Um, and, then, you know, this is another thing people, when we announce lineups sometimes, yeah. people go, well, same old 10 names. Yeah. But yeah, they're the 10 best names in the world. What mm. do you want us to do? Start booking, you know. The second 10, the, the, the 10 best below that. Or? Yeah, when, when, you, when, when, they're, <clears throat> when Sam and Rich are creating these yeah. immense lineups, yeah. you know. Well, it's, it's an like, iconic event warehouse now, isn't it? And it has to be, you have to have the number one acts in the world on that show. You've got to, but when you look at the lineup as yeah. well, we do support yeah. grassroots, local. Yeah, yeah, you, you, and I, you and I spoke before we started about yeah. um, our friend Salado. Yeah, yeah. You know, they started at Warehouse Project. Yeah. I can give you a long list yeah. of artists yeah. um, who, you know, we've booked when they weren't known. Yeah. Like Calvin Harris, David Guetta, Florence and the Machine. Yeah. Um, you know, Calvin Harris... I'll tell you the story with that, 2006. Yeah. First year at Boddington's, um, we'd already put New Year's Eve on sale. Yeah. And you, you know yourself, you program an event, so it's everything's scheduled by time. And yeah. my friend Mike Pickering phoned me up, um, who used to be a DJ at Hacienda, yeah. then M people, and at the time was head of A&R at Sony, and he's like, look, can you put this guy on for me? <laughs> Just discovered someone in Scotland. I'm like, well, we can't, Mike, because it's, it's fully programmed. Yeah. No, please uh, put him on. So yeah. in the end, uh, doors didn't open until half nine. Yeah. We put him on at nine. Yeah. Right. So he thought he was playing. He thought maybe people just haven't turned up. We hadn't yeah. even opened the doors. Uh. Um, <laughs> and it, we gave him 200 quid. He gave us um, a train ticket that we argued with because yeah. he wanted paying first class. Yeah. We never agreed first class. Yeah. We, you know, we agreed a train ticket, so we yeah. gave him standard money for it. And that was Calvin, and he now gets 1.2 million pounds every time a DJ. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't so it? It's, yeah, it's funny. Wow. And how many years has Warehouse been going now? Since 2006. Is that 2006? 2006 at Bollingtons. Wow. And then before that, I had Sankey's 2000 to 2006. Yeah, Sankey's, yeah, yeah. So that was like the natural evolution of that, wasn't it? From Sankey's into Boddington. I think, so, yeah, when I was at Sankey's, manage, you know, you, you speak about um, Wilson before. Yeah. For me, and I'm biased, mm. but I've always felt that Manchester, Greater Manchester has got the best music scene in the UK. Yeah. I've always thought that. Yeah. You know, if you go to a club in London or something, it's more what you wear or who you're yeah. with. And it's not got the soul at Manchester. It's not. Got. It's not. 
So, and we've always tried to recreate that. Mm. And there was a lull at Sankey's. I became very, very bored, probably 2004, when you lose your passion in something. Yeah. There's no point carrying on. <clears throat> when you know in your, your own mind, it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. And the whole scene was becoming very stale. There was no one doing anything new. Mm. Um, and we had put up a warehouse party <clears throat> on in 2003 yeah. on Pollard Street. It's actually where they filmed 24 Hour Party People. Yeah. Um, we did it in there, we sold 12,000 tickets. And I really liked that. The sound systems were brought in on the back of lorries. Everything was really temporary. Um, how we pulled it off, I have no idea. But it was a moment that was creative. We mm -hmm. could just be let loose on it. Yeah. So when I said, you know, I've had enough of Sankeys, I'm going to sell my shares to my then business partner, Sam, uh, who's my business partner now, said, well, look, if you're going, I'm going, why don't we do a few more warehouse parties like we did in 2003? So the actual story, the true story is, okay, let's do four or five and pay a few bills before we decide what we wanted to go and do. Right. Um, so it was supposed to be an intermediary, like a little stopgap project. Yeah, I used to do that was it. It was yeah. supposed to be a project, yeah. right? So <laughs> hence the warehouse. Let's projects. do let's do these projects. <laughs> Sam went down to London the week after, yeah, with a googled image of a warehouse, yeah, didn't even exist, right? In, not in the UK, yeah. There was a lot of Berlin or somewhere, showing all the agents we've got this. They're going to do this, this, this. Meanwhile, I had to scramble around and try and find a warehouse. Yeah. I found Bonington's Brewery. Yeah. Luckily. Um, and he, he got carried away and he booked 24 shows. Wow. And we sold 100,000 tickets. And what was supposed to be a, a project, a warehouse project. For like five that, months or something. It was done. Wow. That was it. And that was, you know, no, it, it's a legacy. we've been prisoners ever since. <laughs> Can you see a future without the warehouse project for you? Or is it, is that, is, do you think that's it? You've, you've, you put your flag in the ground and that's going to stay. We, we've always said from day one, things don't last forever. Mm. You know, we know that. They yeah. don't last forever. Um, and the second, that one moment when we see it tip very, very slightly, yeah. we're going to stop it. Yeah. We're not going to carry on. Yeah. Because there'd be nothing more heartbreaking than seeing something you've spent your life working on. Yeah. It's a bit like watching United now. Yeah. I'm going to kill for that. <laughs> and I am a red. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, but you've been so passionate and you've thrown everything into something, yeah. we're not going to see it, it, it deplete away. And that's why we took a big step in 2019 when we're at Store Street, capacity 2,500. Mm. And we took it to Mayfield, capacity 10,000. Yeah. That was a, a make or break moment for us um, because it could have lost its atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Store Street, I know you, you used to go to it, it was mm. intense, wasn't yeah. it? Um, but every single year, we always say, well, how do we improve ourselves? We mm -hmm. don't want to go stale. Mm -hmm. It's not just the lineups. It's the sound, the light, the production, yeah. the speed at the bar, yeah. toilets, yeah. Uh, entry systems, all yeah. different things. And we could not have improved Store Street anymore. Now, we know we could have stayed there in 2019. Yeah. And, and it sounds cocky. We know we would have sold the tickets. Yeah. But we were treading water. And that would have been the end. So we ripped it up and said, no, we're going to start something new. And um, people love Mayfield. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, so it, so that's, and when's the first one of them, the first warehouse this year? I haven't said. You tried to slip me up then, didn't okay. you? Okay. Yeah. So you still not, okay. <laughs> but it's going to be big. The lineups, yeah. It's going yeah. to be big. So Sasha, how did your role as a nighttime economy advisor come about? Because you've been so busy doing all these different promotion projects. How have you found the time? No, I'll tell you. So I've, I've been a promoter now for 26 years. Yeah, in, wow. in Greater Manchester. And I was seeing things 
that didn't sit right with me. Yeah. So we are the fifth biggest industry in the UK. That's really? it. Is it the fifth biggest industry in the UK? Nighttime economy is the fifth biggest industry in the UK. So when you look at Manchester, for example, Greater Manchester, it employs north of 420,000 people. But there were some, I call them the suits, the mothballs. Yeah. That weren't given as justice. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just when you put park life on. Mm. Forget what happens in Eaton Park. Yeah. But during that weekend, you know, 17 million pounds is generated for the taxes, hotels, local yeah. businesses, people buy new outfits and things like that. So there's a whole ecosystem around it and people weren't understanding that. So when it was decided Manchester was going to get devolved powers, Greater Manchester, mm -hmm. I went to a few of the hustings and right. I was saying to, you know, the people that mattered, you know, would you support the idea of like a nighttime economy task force yeah. that could advise directly and support this industry? Um, anyway, luckily for us, Andy won. Yeah. Um, and it is lucky because he, you probably know him. He's a massive gig goer. Yeah. He understands his music yeah. very well. Yeah. Um, and very, very sadly, probably I think within two weeks there was the attack on our city region. Yeah. May the twenty second at the at the arena, um, and there was the Wand of Concert. Yeah. Probably ten days after that. Yeah. Um, and to me, the Wand of Concert was incredible. It was absolutely amazing. There were fifty thousand people there, and it was watched globally. And I, and I went there, but it felt very much an international event yeah, yeah, for me. Did. You know, Miley Cyrus. It really did. Um, Timberlake, Katy Perry. It was the first Mancunian world stage event in a while. It was. But I, the week after that, I had part life. Yeah. And I wanted to do something that felt more just for Manchester almost. Yeah. So I invited um, a lot of the first attenders who were there on that night, right. the paramedics, uh, taxi drivers, local residents yeah. that opened the doors up to help people yeah. out, counsellors, ambulance service, and I got them all on stage. And by coincidence that year, we'd booked, Sam had booked 1975, obviously yeah. got Manchester Connections. So I said to Andy, look, as, as our mayor, will you come on stage? Say thank you to everybody. Yeah. Um, I can't. I will never to this day. It's on YouTube actually. If you, yeah. If you look to we'll the yesterday. We'll put link in the description. Yeah. This, if you yeah. have a look at, at um, it's ten minutes of my life I'll never forget. Yeah. Eighty thousand people there. It's mm. a festival, and you could hear a pin drop. It was wow. emotional. You'll see everyone on stage crying, and that was not tears of sadness. That was tears of joy. Yeah. We'd beaten them. Yeah. That's what it felt like. And Andy came on and that's when the conversation started. You know, what do you think about this? What do you think of that? And we had a few coffees and then literally 12 months after, yeah. he said, do you want to take the role on? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I always thought it'd be a committee people, but he, yeah. asked, he asked me to do it and you know, I've never looked back. And I have to say, every, practically everything, um, because I do come up with stupid ideas and he does tell me it's stupid and yeah. he is right. Yeah. But... Most of the ideas. Speaks his mind, doesn't he, Andy? He says it as yeah. it is, and yeah. that's the way it should be. Yeah. Um, but most of the ideas I've said, I think this would be a good idea. To, he's done it. And I'll give you an example. You know, the, the Metrolink, mm -hmm. pre-COVID, Christmas time, he extended it an extra hour. Because yeah. I was saying, look, Andy, there are people that work in restaurants yeah. who, by the time they finish, they've got to pay for a taxi yeah. to get home. Mm -hmm. So why can't they have the Metrolink? And it's yeah. safe as well for them. Yeah. You know, And most of those people are getting minimum, if not living wage. Yeah. He extended the Metrolink. Yeah. 
He didn't have to do that. And I can tell you there were lots of people pushing against it. He said, no, I'm doing it. He really understands the cost of transport, doesn't he, Andy? He gets it. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to turn this into, you know, a wheel of Andy conversation. <laughs> but people say to me, sum him up. What yeah. do you like about Andy? And I saw something two weeks ago. Yeah. And this, this one particular moment summed it up. Yeah. Um, you'll know this. When, when you meet artists or known people or, or politicians, a lot of them act differently mm. when they're on the stage to backstage, yeah. or whether they're in front of the camera to behind the camera. Yeah. Andy's one of us. Yeah. He's the same person yeah. whether he's on the camera or off the camera. Yeah, he is. And, and this, this particular moment that I saw just recognises that. So yeah. um, for his campaign, I had to go to Rawtonstall two Mondays ago. Right. We sat in a beer garden for conversation. Yeah. It was me, Andy, and a guy called William Lee Jones. Now, yeah. because of social distancing, the staff put two... They brought two tables from different areas together, yeah. put all the chairs around and stuff. And we sat having this conversation. Yeah. And I'd taken my jacket off. And um, at the end of the conversation, I'd literally pick my jacket up and I'd turn around to Andy's director of office, yeah. Kevin. I was talking to Kevin about the United game yeah. the night before and how things were going and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> and as I, and everyone was doing the wrong thing. And when I turned around to look, Andy gone off and Andy was putting the tables and chairs back to yeah. where they should be. Mm. And I was thinking, that is our Mayor of Grace from Manchester. Yeah. You know, he's one it's of us. He's got no ego at all, has he? None whatsoever. You know, the only thing that I was thinking that people, I mean, just from conversations that I'm having, I'm, I've not done any mega research into this, but I get the feeling that a lot of people may not vote this year. And I feel like maybe that could be a, a problem for him. I think that if people aren't actually going out and voting, then, you know, ultimately for him to get back in, he needs people to he, actually... He needs the vote. And I think, you know, obviously, you know where my loyalties lie. Yeah. And I think people know <laughs> yeah. where I'll be voting. Yeah. Um, but I'd say to everybody, you know, <clears throat> remember that moment back in, I think it was November, yeah. when the government tried, tried to twist yeah. that week. Yeah. And when Andy was stood there on the steps... Yeah speaking passionately yeah. about not just Greater Manchester, but I think for the North. Yeah. You know, that, that particular moment, the government twisted it and mm. tried to say... They tried was, to vilify him. Yeah, they tried to make him a demon. It was all about his £5 million pounds and yeah. then he swiped the money off the yeah. table. and, and The money-grabbing mayor and all of it that. It was not that. No. What he was saying was, why is it right that people in Greater Manchester have got to accept two-thirds of the money when the rest of the country gets 80%. Yeah. And actually three weeks later, he was yeah. proven right. Yeah. That is what happened. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'd say to people next... Well, what they offered him behind closed doors, and he said, look, we need, this is what we need to make it work, to make sure that everyone gets a living wage, that everyone can pay the bills, everyone can pay the rent or the mortgage. We need to have, reach X amount of, of, in, of government support. Yeah. They then said, once they decided that they were going to remove his consent or the powers of the mayor to say, yes, we do agree with the government and they were going to enforce, impose it on us. And it was for a fraction of what they'd actually offered in Ex the first place. Exactly. It was nonsense. It was bullying tactic. But for one person to stand up like that, yeah. you know, it, it was a phenomenal No one else moment. in the UK did it, did they? No one. He was no the one only, did. only person in the UK that stood up. And I don't get that. I mean, the week that followed that, he was in vogue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's that about? <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. 
and women <laughs> were coming up to me and going, give all right, that burning man. <laughs> I ain't got a second. He became the king of the north, though, didn't he? King of the north. Uh, yeah. There were beers for him. Yeah. There were posters in windows. It was, yeah, phenomenal moment. And I think it was almost like it was that moment there that really made, he embodied what Manchester Spirit's about for me. That's, I think that's when... Obviously, I've known Andy for a while, but this was the, the sort of the, the moment I thought, you know what, this is our mayor and this is why we have devolved power and this is why it is important that we have a face who's symbolic of what it means to be. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll tell you, that particular moment, I think he galvanised the city. Yeah. And it's not right that some of his competitors at the moment, mm -hmm. is that the right word, competitors, other candidates, yeah. are saying grandstanding. Yeah. That wasn't grandstanding, that was standing up job. for what was right. Yeah, exactly. You know, when, when you've got the Conservative candidate there mm -hmm. saying, oh yeah, I just agree with the government, you can't, well, then you would have agreed that we've got less than the rest of the country. Yeah. It's wrong. So that's not grandstanding, that's, that's sticking your head above the parapet yeah. and fighting for the people. It feels like this government, um, and I don't I get on like some big anti-Tory rant because it's it's not very... I've got all day. <laughs> <laughs> I still want Tories to watch this. It all counts to the views. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, I mean, we were saying it off camera before. What I just find, I find quite unfathomable that, you know, this is this is the UK. We have led, led the world culturally, technologically um, for a long time. We've been innovators in so many different areas and so many different industries that how have we so pathetically failed with the management of of this pandemic our world beating up it was like a sega master system project it, it looked that crap it do you know what i 22 billion <clears throat> for that you're right and i don't understand how they're getting away with it and i don't think they will i think i think there will be a moment where it, you know, it's, it's diagnosed, but they'll get to know with it. And, but um, how can how can people continue? As a P, as a, I said this to Andy when he was on when he was on the the show the other week, I said, how can we as a population continue to follow a government that is so unbelievably blatantly flawed? We can't do. And you know what? Pre-COVID, if you were sat at home watching the ten o'clock news, yeah and there was another country somewhere and it, it's like 10 o'clock news you know the 22 billion here yeah. and the cabinet <laughs> ministers have given two billion to his mate that runs the pub down the road and handed this out we'd got that would never happen yeah. in england well i'm it's not happening. exactly i'm not going to say what countries that would be but we both know what sort of yeah. countries that, that would be happening this in. is happening it's like we're a failed we're becoming a failed state <sighs> £66,000 to renovate, it's not even your own money, to renovate your flat. Exactly. Spend £6,000 on an armchair. What does the armchair do? Six grand on an armchair. £6,000 on an armchair. So has he used government money for that? Or taxpayers' money for that? I don't know is the honest answer, but, the, you know... Is this what the allegation this is? is? Yeah. So what will be the consequences? So he's used... X amount of taxpayers' money. £66,000, but now a party donor has come in Oh, oh, and suddenly, and then, and now, suddenly balance the box. And then Boris has come back, oh, I'll pay it back. And it's just, it stinks. Oh, can I, so can I get a loan off from the taxpayer then? I'll lend you six grand, six grand for, a, for an armchair, if you want. <laughs> yeah. And this is our Prime Minister? 
Prime Minister. And that wow. comment he made, which he's denied, but too many people. Oh, let the bodies pile high. Let the bodies pile high. We're not having another lockdown. It's not. It's do you not. think he said it? Yeah, I do. If you had, if you were a betting man, would you bet he said it? I don't bet, but I, I would absolutely say yes. Right. He said it. I think they're cruel. I think I really do. It just doesn't. It just doesn't add up. It doesn't. We said this before we started. You know, when Andy appointed me. Yeah. I was never interested in politics. No. And you know, I'm still not, I'm tunnel visioned. Yeah. It's my sector is hospitality. That's all I know. I sit there and I watch him debate all sorts of things. Yeah. I know nothing about bosses. Yeah. I know nothing, you know, <laughs> how he knows all this stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. I have no idea. Yeah. Right? Ask me about putting a poster up. Yeah. Or, you know. <laughs> putting on a night. <laughs> putting on a night. I can tell you how to yeah. do it or a festival. He knows about everything across yeah. the board. That's, that's, but, that's the difficult thing, isn't it? How do you understand so much about so much? He's a smart guy. Yeah. He and he's been knows, in the game for a long time, hasn't he? Well, that's a good. That's why we're lucky because yeah. he knows how to push the buttons down yeah. in Westminster. Yeah. Down in Whitehall. Um, and he knows how it works. He does. Don't forget, he's been in the cabinet. Yeah. So he knows exactly how the system works. Do you think he would have been prime? Do you think he could be prime minister in the future? You know this, people talk about this all the time. I get asked. So, all I mean, the time. People say, well, will he be prime minister one day? You know, pre-COVID, yeah. the question that I used to get asked the most is, can I have a guest list? Yeah. Now it's, <laughs> now, is he going to be prime minister? Yeah. And does he dye his hair? I think That's what people are <laughs> asking me. Like, I don't know. I have no idea. I think a lot of people he, he want him to He doesn't dye his hair, by the way. I've asked him. He doesn't? He doesn't, no. Okay. No. <laughs> Do you know what he would make? He would make the most phenomenal prime minister. I think he would. He absolutely would, but it would be a loss to Greater Manchester because yeah. we we right now we need leadership. But we can only have him for three more years. Yeah, unless of course we're handcuffed him to his desk. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it he can only do two terms? I'm not sure to be honest. Is it? Right. Yeah, I'd be disappointed if that was the, the case. Yeah. I'll keep, I don't know what, I'm, maybe I'm wrong on that. I'm, I might be wrong on that. I thought I'd read that somewhere that you can do two terms, but maybe right. not. Maybe you can stay on. I just hope that people actually go out and vote. I think they will. I think coming out of COVID, you know, I, I'd urge everybody mm. to vote. Everyone has to have the say. Mm. Um, and, you know, some of the, I've watched the debates, some of the other candidates, not the Tories, but they've been respectful. Yeah. They've agreed, yeah. which is nice to see yeah. um, on, on several items. So, yeah, it's, it's a big day. Yeah. It's a big day to vote. So you say, you say, you're saying to me now, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote you on this, because if this ever changes in the future, we'll pull this up. I know what you're going to say. All right. <laughs> you know I know what, what gonna you're going to ask. Way. So you say you're fully focused, tunnel visioned on hospitality. 100%. 100%. 110%. 110%. So at no point in the I future... I keep getting asked this. At no point in the future... You're going to win to politics. Not a chance. No. Not a chance. It's... It's... Um, it's too divided. Mm. It's too divided. Yeah. And, you know, I see... I see some of the crap Andy has to put up with. Yeah. Talking about someone that gives 15% of his salary... Yeah. ...to help people on our streets... And he gets he gets crap for it. Mm. Is is that I don't want sense, that? Does it? it doesn't. And I I don't want that. Yeah. He's got broader shoulders than me. You want to be freedom, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, Sasha. This has Not been brilliant. A
Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Cheers, mate. God. <laughs>